Welcome to The Neutral Ground. This week, my guest is Led Bradshaw, and we're going to discuss something that is near and dear to both of our hearts, heroism. Led is the creator of Jet Pulse Comics. His flagship title, The New Adventures of Jake Jet Pulse, is a comic book adventure story that was inspired by his son Jacob, who was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder at the age of four. In this episode, we're going to dive into Led's origin story for the creation of Jet Pulse Comics. We talk about the importance of being able to stand in the midst of chaos. And we muse over why heroism is so important for everyone today, but especially young people. If you haven't yet done so, make sure you hit the subscribe and or follow button. Leave a kind comment and or rating where applicable. And head over to the neutralgroundpodcast.com where you can leave me an audio message or drop me an email. I love hearing from all of you. Now, I'm also trying to get the hang of this whole social media thing. So head over to my Instagram page at Dr. Joe Meyer, where I give a, a weekly quotation from philosophy or literature to help kind of build our confidence and face the world around us. But I'm also doing a weekly thing where I give kind of a, a music suggestion. And the reason for that is I believe it's important for us to constantly change our social media algorithms. And I think the best way to do that, the best way to feed us humanity, to keep us connected to each other, is really through music. So head over to my Instagram page and give me a follow for kind of weekly motivations in addition to background information about the show. Finally, I encourage you to use the links in the show notes to check out Led's comic books and purchase a couple, especially if, if you have young people as well. It really builds confidence in them to face the world. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Led Bradshaw. Led, welcome to The Neutral Ground. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we're going to be talking primarily about your wonderful comic book character here, Jake Jet Pulse. And we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of the origin of the project and the amazing tool that this has become for people, especially in the autism community. But I want to begin by actually asking you a little bit about you and, and kind of what was your, your relationship to comics like prior to creating Jake Jet Pulse? Well, wow. Um, let's see. Well, my, I go back to what my mom says, that I've been drawing ever since I was old enough to hold a pencil. So it was just one of my uh, God-given talents that it was just something that I've always done. Something that came naturally to me, just like um, walking, running, you know? <laughs> and uh, I would say that I was about maybe like three years old. Okay. Yeah, about like three, three and a half. And I would sit there like, you know, in my bedroom and draw. And sometimes my mom would have to check on me to make sure that I was okay because I would be completely silent just sitting in my room with the papers all over the place. But my love for comics really started around the time I was about maybe six or seven. And my dad brought home, uh, he brought home like this bag of like comic books because he saw like how much I was like drawing and I would try to like imitate whatever I saw on television and I would just sit there on Saturday mornings and when it's Captain Caveman and, um, you know, the Flintstones, whatever it was, I would just try to draw. And my dad would sit there and, and like he pretty much like fueled it by constantly giving me comic books. And it got to the point where I, I went from 
as I started reading, I went from just looking at the pictures to reading the stories, going back to looking at the pictures and then reading it again. And then um, I started uh, like creating my own little comics and stuff. So my, my parents used to say, because I had to ask them before, before the interview, like, what exactly did I used to do? Like when I was a kid and they <laughs> and they said, like, you would just sit there and just any kind of paper that you had, you would sit there and draw these little comic books of and then you would ask us to staple them together and to make your own comic books and stuff. And I remember that. And like now all of a sudden it comes back to me. And uh, but I would draw so much like as a kid and and um I remember, like, I, I knew that, like, I started getting really good at it when I started getting in trouble at school. And the thing was, was uh, when you're drawing the book reports and um, and I remember I got like an F for the first time. And then there was a note on it that said, you can't let your parents draw the stuff for you. You have to do it yourself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, you know, like my parents came to the school and convinced my, you know, my principal that I, that I did this. So, <laughs> so, um, but it really started around then. Uh, I remember like uh, my dad would come home with handfuls of like um, uh, Batman and Superman comics with, uh, and as I got older, it was um, X-Men and, and uh, like more Spider-Man and, and, I would just collect these comics and just read them religiously. And then I would like beg my dad. I would actually use my allowance money like to go buy more comics. And then, and uh, as I got like older, like, and I realized that like, um, it helped me get a little, you know, gain a little popularity in school because I could, you know, I could draw. So everybody would ask me to draw posters of whatever was popular at the time, which was like either like the Simpsons or Batman or whatever it was. And, I said to myself, this is all, this is everything I always wanted to do. I mean, like when the kids asked, you know, when the teachers asked the kids in the second grade, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like, and there were like a bunch of kids that wanted to be a policeman. Um, some kids that want to be a fireman. There, I remember there was one girl at, like during this whole thing. And I remember this, I'm, I'm 48 and I still remember this. The one girl wanted to be a fairy mermaid princess. Right. And then they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I want to draw Saturday morning cartoons. But everybody laughed when I said it. But I'm like, but wait, you didn't laugh at the girl that wanted to be the fairy mermaid princess. I'm like, what happened? So, but ever since then, I like, I, that I always knew what I wanted to do. It's like, anytime I watch cartoons, it's like, I, I daydream. I sit there, I create my own like flip books and stuff. And, and um one of the unique things, and I still do it now, is that when I take notes, it's kind of like Egyptian hieroglyphics. I do everything in pictures, and that's the way how I remember. Like whenever I write notes or take notes, I, I doodle, I draw. So an entire lesson to my teachers looked like I wasn't paying attention. However, I was always getting good grades, but they were always worried that I was daydreaming all the time by, by drawing. So that was another thing I had to prove to them that this was my method of you know, memorization that I, this is the way how I remember things is by drawing them. So I, I mean, it's like, but it's always something I wanted to do, but life gets in the way as we get older, there's things that always happens, you know, like we have to get a job or work a nine to five and things like that. But in the back of my head, I always wanted to do something art related. So I kind of used every opportunity, every job that I had and tried to learn 
everything I could about each job, whether it was a customer service job or whether it was stocking shelves or whether it was whatever it is that I did, I tried to retain some kind of, you know, you know, some kind of experience from it so that I could use it for whenever I am a big CEO and I'm making my own cartoons and movies and stuff. Just, I don't know when that's going to happen. So I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. So when my son was born and we had to make room, you know, for his crib and because there's big giant crates of comic books all over the place, (laughs) you know, um, you know, that's when I said to myself, it's like, you know what, I really want to do something with, you know, with, with what I, with my talent before I wind up losing it, before I wind up doing something and I get too far down the road that I can't come back. And that's when I started thinking about doing stuff related to like the graphic design. And um, I had a friend of mine, uh, a really good friend of mine who was like my mentor, taught me everything that I knew about graphic design. I couldn't get into the schools because the time when Jake was born, you know, like it was hard to go back to school. So I would have to cheat, get the syllabus off, you know, the internet and buy books from Barnes and Noble and study myself and do that until I was able to get my own job. But now that I was getting there, it's like, okay, what's next? I mean, so comic books really influenced everything. My, my biggest, you know, my biggest influence is everything, science fiction, anything, if it's, whether it's a, a Marvel movie or whatever, I'm all over it. If it's um, comic books, I'm, you know, I'm there. It's like um, I surround myself by those influences. So that's where everything really started. My love, my passion for, it, I thank my dad for that, you know? So he was always feeding comic books to me throughout life. So <laughs> he still does it now. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, no, that's great. And it keeps, and it keeps going, right? Because you work with your son, on this as well, too. So I, I love that kind of lineage that you have there. And and two two quick things that you brought up that I thought were fantastic that brought me back. One, I had to learn a lesson young as a as a professor, having student a student a young lady who would draw the whole time while I was you know giving my brilliant lecture. Right? How could you not listen to me? <laughs> idea early in life until I realized, oh, come on. (laughs) But she would draw these beautiful, like you said, hieroglyphics. She would draw these beautiful kind of shapes. And I would sit there and go, oh, no, I'm boring her like crazy. Oh, no. And then she came up to me one day because I think she caught my eyes looking down. And she said, you know, I just want to let you know, I know you see me drawing. She goes, that's actually how I concentrate the most is that it allows my hand to move. And because I'm so focused on trying to make the, uh, the pictures, you know, I'm actually focused enough also to take in what you're saying. And I thought, Oh my goodness, that's yeah, that made totally made sense to me. I was like, absolutely. And that changed. However, how I look at that idea of doodling from that point forward, and I'm actually very happy that that happened to me early in my career because you see it. You see people sometimes doodling, and we always think that they're doing something else and disconnected, but that's just not always the case. It's not. We learn in different ways. Yeah, definitely. And I, there are times, too, like even as an adult, I become more mindful of it. So at times, like, I, I have to tell, like, whoever's the instructor or professor of whatever lesson, like, please excuse me. It's not that I'm 
you know, ignoring you. Like, I'm really interested in what you're saying, but this is how I take notes. So, and it's, it's great because it's like, not only am I like, I'm, I'm concentrating, I'm, I'm, I'm in a deeper like realm of like concentrating is like where I can retain more because I'm more relaxed. I'm more focused when I'm doing it as opposed to in, in a way it's, it's kind of unique because it's like, um, I guess it was a self-confidence thing for me because I was really intimidated as a kid looking people in the face. And it's very hard for me to lock eyes to connect like, you know, so when I was a kid, I would have a hard time looking, but I had no problem listening. So it was just my way of like, okay, I'm listening. And it was my form of dictation, you know, just taking notes, like I'm listening to you, I'm copying everything, but that was my way of doing it. So the only time it really became a problem was with a, like a social studies teacher in junior high school. But I, I was actually very successful in um, repeating the entire class to him by showing him exactly which, you know, uh, like, like uh, what, like uh, what drawing was related to what he was like. Uh, <laughs> so, and I was like, no, this is the, when we were talking about this and this is when we were talking about that. And he was fascinated that like the entire notebook was mostly artwork and it was just my name on the heading. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you also mentioned, of course, doing this from an early age and being supported, you know, in doing this from an early age and the importance of letting your mind wander. I do think that that's something I see in young people, at least around me. I see that being a little bit more of a problem than I think it used to be. This idea of, look, wander. Like I'll often tell my students in the classroom, embrace chaos, embrace it. And it, there'll be a point in this where you're, you'll want to try to impose order on the chaos, but what you don't want to do is run from it. Don't run from the chaos. Be in it and learn to be comfortable in that chaos. And so I love what you said about this idea of allowing the mind to wander because that's oftentimes when we can think of things that we never could have thought before in, in pure uh, rules, let's say. Yes. And I... You know, I I used to joke with my friends telling them that my that our mind is just this chaotic psychological playground where everyone gets hurt. But it's like, but in that sense, when I say that, it's because like I've embraced chaos to the point where the like the most ludicrous and silly ideas is where like I find everything. It's um I realized that when I try to describe something to people, when I'm describing a scene or when I'm trying to put together, um, when I'm trying to put together like a, like a scene or panels and, you know, in the comic and I'm explaining it and I can see like the confusion with whoever I'm telling. And they're like, you'll get it in a minute. Cause sometimes I, uh, I envision the story, you know, as, and as I'm writing, as I'm writing, as I'm scripting it out, sometimes it's not in order. Sometimes I'll have the ending or I'll have the middle I'll have. And then I just branch out from that point. You know, I'll just create the scenario as I go along. And um, it, it's, you know, there, there really is no particular order. Like I, there's nothing for me to follow. It's just whatever comes and that inspiration at the moment. And that's where I start. So yeah. it's, yeah. So I, I, I've completely embraced chaos you know, <laughs> to the point where it's like, you know, like I'm friends with it. It doesn't 
you know, it's like I welcome it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's pretty much the, the way how I've been able to create is just by embracing that. So I usually tell people to give me 10 minutes after I'm done creating something, because if you talk to me immediately after, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say because it's just going to be all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, understandable. So let's 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 get into some of this now a little bit. How how did the concept for Jake Jet Pulse come about? It came about around, I, I would say, uh, Jake was, a, he was about three and a half years old and he was in preschool at the time when um, his teachers, uh, you know, they, they brought to my attention that like while he was in school, that he was very self-directed. He was very, um, uh, you know, like he, he, he lacked focus, like, um, and he always talked about superheroes. I mean, I know that like he like as, as as he started to get older, he was really embracing the whole superhero thing. And I loved it from a self-proclaimed geek. I mean, looking at him like, son, you know, like, I'm so proud of you, you know, and he's like talking about superheroes. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to run around the house with a towel around my neck and everything pretending to be Batman. And it was that was just my thing. And I would have like I would. I, it was a mistake because I had hair. I would tape like two, like, like two spoons to the side of my head to like, well, that's a whole nother story. But when I saw my, when I saw my son doing this, when I, when I saw Jake, like talking about superheroes and I thought that was great, you know, I could have this conversation with him, but um, there were some things that I didn't notice and looking back on it, like I see them now, but during that moment, I didn't notice you know, the, the symptoms of autism, but when the teacher brought it to my attention, you know, that's when, like, I, you know, I said, you know, it's time, like, maybe we should get him evaluated and see, like, where he is, so um, I know that at three and a half, he had a speech delay, he wasn't really catching, you know, like, it, like, the vocabulary, he wasn't catching up to the other, you know, like, the other kids in his class, so I, I know that they say to never judge your, you know, never uh, compare your children to another another child's development because every child develops, you know, at different times, I guess, whenever they're comfortable. But it was just one of those things where, like, Jake wasn't, he wasn't catching, you know, like, it, it was, it, like, the, the, the speech delay was, like, only had him somewhere between maybe three or four words. So, like, I want juice or whatever, and then, like I noticed that when he would go to um, when he would go to school, it was hard to leave him there because he would just cry and he would just like he would lose it. And it was it was terrible because it's like I would feel bad with like leaving him, you know, like like leaving him at school because the moment I would walk away from the door, it was just like, a, you know, like it was hard to basically he was inconsolable. So. After like a, after like a few months in like the the. You know, the diagnosis was pretty, like, it was pretty apparent. That's when I started to look for, um, I started to look for, like, like uh, the definition of autism spectrum disorder on, you know, like, and just Google it. I went to, like, the DSM, like, uh, I went to, like the, like, the CDC, every other website I could think of, like, where I could find, like, very, really useful information to try to understand. Don't mind my dog in the background. Like, you know, there's the dogs next door and they're, they're communicating. Um, <laughs> so 
I was looking for all this information, trying to really get a grasp of what autism spectrum disorder was. And from a person who really didn't have any exposure to autism, I really had nothing to base it on. And I remember in another interview, I said, the only thing really that I had a familiarity with was Dustin Hoffman's performance in Rain Man, which really wasn't enough. And I really wanted to understand what autism spectrum disorder was. I got in touch with a really good uh, developmental pediatrician who was very helpful in helping us really understand, like, really understand Jake. And, um, and she had mentioned, she was like, do you, like, have you ever heard of art therapy? I was like, no, I have no idea what in the world that is, you know? So as I'm looking it up and I see that there's these really, you know, I, I, I saw like some really useful, some useful information, how art, is a way to teach children on the spectrum to communicate because it's a voiceless form of communication where they don't have to explain, but just draw. And, you know, and I thought, wow, okay, this is right up my alley. I mean, I can draw, I mean, I can do this with him. So <laughs> I, um, I incorporated like 25 minutes of just, you know, just, art time into his routine every day. And I found this really cool um, art therapy exercise, which was is an, an emotions chart. And I, I, I printed it out and I just created like a kind of spreadsheet style, like grid. And it said, today I feel. So every day I would say, Jake, how do you feel? And I was like, I would give him markers and I would write angry in red, you know, sad is blue. Uh, you know, and I would just go along with the emotions and try to represent them by colors. And he would pick the one that he felt and he would, you know, scribble in. And then I would like, why are you angry today? Why are you sad today? What made you happy? To try and make him, you know, like, uh, like, like, tell me, like to engage him. So, and I knew that started working after a few weeks because like, he, like I would walk home with them and he's like, daddy, I'm red today. And I'm like, I'm like, why would it happen? He was like, and he was like, no food at school today. He was like, no, you didn't eat. <laughs> and then he's like, daddy, I'm yellow today. And I'm like, oh, that's great. What happened? And he was like, we had pizza. And I'm like, okay, great. So that's working. So then I decided like, okay, let's try to turn this into a lesson because the only way I can teach you is because I learned how to draw in the comic books and stuff. And I got this weird idea, like this bonk on the head. It's like Doc Brown from Back to the Future where he discovers the flux capacitor, right? So I'm like, what if I broke down, um, you know, uh, you know, like what if I broke down like uh, like art lessons and do it like week by week? I'll teach him something different, you know? And I would refer back to the, you know, to all these other art therapy exercises that I wrote down. And one of them was draw yourself as a superhero, right? Which is supposed to teach all your positive traits. This is the thing that that just he just took the ball and ran from that point and uh <laughs> he started drawing himself as his own superhero and he would like call it ultra jake to the rescue and it was it was him and these little kitty scribbles of shooting rays out of his eyes and it's the mean bad guys and and things like that and then i saw him he would come to my mom and be like grandma staple this staple this and i'm like oh my god he's doing what i used to do and i'm like son so proud of you <laughs> so now you know so now i got this idea you know and that, that was the flux capacitor idea the whole doc brown thing where i'm like wait a minute what if i took comic books right and broke them down into art lessons you know wouldn't that be cool so um 
And I was like, okay, today we're going to draw um, an angry picture. You know, we're going to use red, you know, and make an angry picture. Today we're going to make a happy picture. You know, today we're going to make a sad picture. And each time I would use like the, the, like the colors, like a dominant color. So if we're going to make it sad, let's use a lot of blue. Let's use gray. And then we would sit there so he could identify the emotions by colors, you know. And as we were doing that, he started using that with his with with his artwork now. And he was like, "Okay, Ultra Jake is happy. See, you know, Ultra Jake is sad. I'm like, "Okay, so let me teach you about making panels. So I was teaching him how to make sequential images to like, you know, to show what's what. And. Then it got to the point where he would come to me, Daddy, what color is confused? And I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to have to figure that one out. So then I know that that was working, but then it went another step. And I saw that he was dressing up as himself. He would find like, uh, like, the, like his thermal underwear and like capes from other costumes. And he would pretend being himself. And I like that this is great. So I'm like, okay, I should keep in mind this. And I would record him as he's running around and playing. So I'm learning all about the little universe that's in his head of all the characters and stuff. And I would ask him, who's this character? Who's that character? And then he started, um, there was a time when, um, I know this is long, but there's so many moving parts to this. But uh, he, like when he would have nightmares at night. I would make him draw those the day after because I want to know like what was what was scaring him, what were the monsters that were scaring him, and he would draw those, and then we would give them names, whatever the monsters, so to kind of give him his power back, you know, so that he wouldn't be afraid of it, and we would make little totems out of like paper plates, and I would tell him draw monster faces because there's no mirrors in Monster World, they don't know that they're ugly, so when they see another monster, they're gonna run. Okay, and then I found a little water bottle. I filled it full of water and I would spray him at night and say, this is monster repellent spray. If you smell like a bigger monster, monsters aren't going to come and scare you anymore. So once we did all that and he started creating all these monsters, I was like, hey, what do you think is a cool monster? Why don't we add this as a villain? Why don't we use this as this person? And like I used it as character building to create other characters like for a story and like he had no idea what I was doing and we were just building things slowly and slowly. So as the teachers were, you know, the, like were, you know, like I would sit with the teachers and they would tell me what he was having problems with. It gave me the idea of maybe I should start drawing him as this character that he's always playing. Maybe he'll pay attention to it. So instead of like um, discouraging his special interests, you know, like I embraced it and like, you know, run right into the chaos. Let's see what we can get out of it instead of trying to deter him from it. And that's when I started drawing him as a character. And the more the, the more I drew and the more I started to create from his imaginary play and putting it on paper and showing him, the more he wanted to read, the more he wanted to learn what was happening. And that's pretty much where we started, like with him teaching him how to read. So when the teachers saw that that was actually working, they were like, Hey, you should make a book. And I was like, okay, maybe I should do that. And I created this book, you know, and uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and I put it together. I gave him a bunch of the books and everything. I said, Hey, share these with the kids in your class. And then I remember picking him up and the principal says to me, Hey, these are really cool books. Do you have any more? 
And I'm like, I only had a, like a few, but I could probably make some more. And then like in the back of my head, I'm like, Led, what are you doing? Why are you agreeing to this? Just you know, just say the, that those all you have. I'm like, oh, I'll get you some more. And that just started the whole chain. It's just like the next thing I know, I was making a, like a reading and math activity book. I was making a coloring book. I was making, yeah. And the more and more that I started doing that and I saw that he was enjoying it, the more involved I got. And as well as the kids were enjoying it, the more involved I got. And I just went to the teachers and say, hey, listen, would you mind if you give me some of the work that they're having problems with? And I'll, I'll translate it into, you know, the, the, the comic you know and see if they like it so I did reading comprehension how much did you read what happened in this story and that's where it just kept going <laughs> that's amazing my goodness and everything that you said too makes so much sense right like it's everything connects with each other and let let me get into actually a little bit of the the process here because I I I'm gonna do a very uh professorial thing here and talk too much, but forgive me, there will be a question at the end. (laughs) I promise there'll be a good question at the end. Um, Awesome. (laughs) So, I looked at um, the New Adventures of Jake Jet Pulse, uh, a focus on the the reading and math skills activity book. And here's what I noticed. I noticed three things that I thought that I'd like you to, to just your opinion on here. The first is the the backgrounds of each of these um, cells, right? The backgrounds of each of these ones, it, they're very minimal, not much going on in the background. Okay. Second thing I noticed was the characters. So Jake, uh, Julia, and Mars, even they're dynamic in that their body language is still saying what they're doing, but it's very controlled. And the third thing that you had me thinking about for a while was there are two two tables, two cells back to back where Jake is in the same exact pose. Now, people who I think don't take some time to think about this, they might look at that and say, oh, well, that's a mistake. But it brought me back to my own training when I was doing my um, certificate way back when for New York State, and we had to do a certain amount of hours for special education as part of this. I thought back to how important it was to have consistency and the routine. And it made me think, oh my goodness, having that same drawing back to back early in the comic allows the reader to imprint on that character and recognize it right away and say, okay, now when I see this image again, I know this is Jake. And my, my question was, was is basically, did you have this kind of this high end intentionality in these three ideas when you made the comic? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, um, I'm glad that you noticed that because I think this is the first time anyone has ever asked me that. And it was something that was very consciously developed when I made it. As a comic book artist, you know, I like I probably get a lot of criticism for, oh, he can't do backgrounds or you know, or it's, you know, the silliness like that, which is, which is cool. I don't mind. I mean, I can do it. That's fine. But under the context, why I'm doing it is, is, is very deliberate. And it's for a reason. My reason is, is that like, um, as I got to like to speak with therapists, um, especially with Jake's therapist, I learned about masking. I learned about, um, 
uh, I learned about like like socialization, like helping Jake socialize, like helping him understand it's a communication. Like the hallmarks of autism is like um like uh I wouldn't say impaired, but like difficulties with like social conversations or um or awkwardness in conversation or understanding um facial um like uh like uh uh what is it, like facial recognition like understanding like emotions you know or like our body movements or like body language so this was actually very deliberate what i wanted to do was show children on the the, the spectrum of autism or teach them what you know the 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 body movement that went along with that emotion right and what i did was i i i i adhered to like the like the not only the body language but the facial features that each character makes is a deliberate thing so that as a child reads it you know they're seeing someone um angry they're seeing someone sad they're seeing so the emphasis is more on the characters and their movements so this was something I wanted to do so that Jake understood like what like what was happening, you know? Um my my background before doing this was a technical writer and I was also um like a technical like an illustrator um doing user manuals for like electronics for like bluetooth speakers and headsets and things. So the instructions are very cut and dry. There really is no emotion in it. It's just like um insert batteries in this direction or you know press and hold the power button but the very but the directions are very cut and dry they're very they're very clear i i incorporated that into a comic instead and i made it like very clear as to what the characters were doing their emotions how they were feeling and tried to like imprint that you know to the reader to see that so when a child is reading it a neurotypical child will read this and think it's a really fun comic, you know, um, a, a teacher or a professor like yourself will see the actual, uh, you know, depth of what I just did, you know, and I didn't think anybody would catch it, you know, which no, is really let me awesome. tell you, uh, I'll be honest with you. I, because I was looking for this, it's, it's one thing to say I have a, a comic that features a hero who is on the autism spectrum, which is one thing. <clears throat> it's another thing to do what you did, which is to say, I want to write this for, for potentially for someone who is on the autism spectrum to be able to participate in it. And that takes a tremendous amount of thought before anything hits a page. You have to think in that, in that mindset and that's what came through to me so much was there is so so much thoughtfulness in this and i commend you for that i, I it really comes through the the last thing i'm going to say about this comic that that also gave me this wonderful smile was so at the end you have exercises that that young people can do and these are very important exercises things like um a review, review questions, what did we kind of, what happened in the comic, that kind of a thing, which is important in of itself. But then you also have things like counting syllables um, and, and various other, other kind of just exercises that they have to practice. And here's where I started smiling. 
the exercises you put in there, when you attach it to the genre of the superhero, what ends up happening is those exercises become training for the superhero. And you say you love Batman, right? And everybody knows Batman has to train. He trained to become what he is. He wasn't, he's not like the other superheroes. He wasn't born with anything other than except money. <laughs> but he had to train and train hard and continually train, right? And even it, it made me think of, of even um, T'Challa in Captain America Civil War when his father basically tells him you have to train in diplomacy. So the hero, when the hero is good, is always in a state of training. And so those exercises just made me smile because I thought, oh my goodness, you can absolutely sell this to children as being training. You are training like any other hero, to be able to better connect with the story and better connect with the outside world. Yes. And one of the things that I, I learned, thank you so much for like, you know, thank you so much for that. Really. It's like um, one of the things, don't mind the siren, sorry, but okay. the um, <laughs> that's New York for you. Um, one of the, one of the cool things that, um, that I love about like making the books too, is that I took everything that I did with Jake and I created um, this book called hidden heroes, like um, create your own superhero adventure, which is to a kid. This would be like the, the greatest creative writing episode, like, you know, like class you could ever have because I draw from, I think of like, a, uh, I think like a child, I think like, from a child's experiences and walk them through like teaching them how you can create your own superhero based on your own experiences, even by asking like who like name four of your best friends, um, you know, okay, this is your superhero team. What do you like about your friends? Let's create your superpower. And then I created like a word builder with three columns, starting with adjectives and, you know, and like all like the like all the words so you like like the awesome you know awesome blade runner you know or whatever and like what is your favorite colors okay let's use those to make your super suit and um what are you the most afraid of um how did you overcome your fear and then i would give a story like the, the remember the mad libs type things of that we course. Yeah, and so that's what I did. I created this whole, and my love for Dungeons and Dragons came in on this too. So I tried to narrate this um, this superhero adventure and give make it a multiple choice adventure, so that the kids can, you know, like okay, the the monster has a big giant ray, and I'm like that fires a broccoli, b you know, <laughs> like you know boogers. It's like, but I make it fun and exciting so that you know, that the kids can read it and put together their adventure. And at the end of it, I have like maybe 10 or 11 pages of just comic book panels, blank comic book panels. And that's for the kids to take the, the, the character that they created, the superpowers that they gave them, the, you know, their superhero team that they created with their strengths and their weaknesses and their fears. And they can create their own comic at the end, because I figured if, I was fortunate enough to create a story like this. There's a kid out there who has the same dream as Jake did, as I did, you know, who will probably create something greater than I one day. And it's like, you know, this is my way of encouraging them 
to create this character to bring it out in a superhero training. That's why I call the team the Jet Pull Squadron, or I I address like the kids as the Jet Pull Squadron. Or um, do you think you're up to joining it, like the Jet Pulse Academy? And I use these things like a training, like um, as far as like like not training soldiers, but training the League of Superheroes. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely, I thought it was. I, again, there's these little things that if you're not careful you miss it but they're brilliant little moves on your part that maybe work um unconsciously or subconsciously for some people but on on a conscious level when i saw them i thought that's that's perfect that's absolutely fantastic (laughs) thank you so let let me ask you this then so you are so you for your story here you're people are now telling you you've got something great right they want more of the books okay but we we both know not every great idea is able to actually come to fruition. So what I want to ask you about now is what were the early challenges in actually creating this first thing from, from just your books to, let's say, a production, like a production proper, if you will? Well, one of the things, one of the, one of the, the, the things that I had to is that, like, the, that I thought was uh, I created this, you know, it, it, it kind of made this evolution and it went from the, uh, the educational books that you, uh, that, that we all know. And then I had so much fun making and um, it evolved. And like, in order for it to stay relevant, right. I decided to evolve the characters as Jacob got older. And I wanted to make sure that the, this was a way not only that I can teach Jake, but also children his age and um, about, um, friendship about like um, diversity about um, equality and I could teach him these things through the characters and one of the things that make that that's making it even more popular now is the fact that is that like yes he's an autistic hero and then I moved from making like the uh, the activity books to actually full-length action comic books now the secret is with that, well, it's not really a secret, but one of the methods that I chose was to um, was to create a storyline that features an autistic superhero, but the audience doesn't know it. In a way, so you're, well, you're it's basically the story is the basically the story is told without it being addressed that he's that he has autism spectrum disorder. Instead, I focus on my son's personality and personality of children on the autism spectrum. And I make that parts of their personality. For instance, um, Jake has like, you know, his, his head is always in the clouds. And in reality, he is always dreaming. He's always creating. He wants to be a real full fledged superhero. So I put that into like his character that, you know, that even though he's a superhero, he wants to be just like the superhero that he looks up to in his world, you know? And and then there's Julia. The Julia is the, the the tech geek of the group. Like, but like I think of children with autism spectrum disorder with Asperger's, which is formally called. And Julia, if you ever notice, like Julia in any of the comics that I created, she never looks Jake in the eyes. Because she's not very comfortable making eye contact. So 
but she's incredibly you know she's incredibly smart she loves uh, she loves like uh anything technical she loves to do things with her hands she's very quick when it comes to like uh uh science and history and i wanted that to be like her personality um mars is very um mars is very literal and when he speaks he speaks like um in in his age, in like it, like a, we wrote, like when we developed the character, Mars is three hundred years old, and in trolls for trolls, that's pretty much a teenager. So, but he's very literal when he speaks, so he doesn't get jokes; they kind of fly over his head. And these are all things that I wanted to show. Like for instance, there's Miranda, who is um, uh, uh she's a little older than the other than, than the other two, but she's a telepath. And we have the Shrive, which is a ghost, which are our newest characters. And he is he is an homage to like, you know, this is me acknowledging um, nonverbal, like uh, like nonverbal children. So he doesn't speak. However, you know, like Miranda is the only one that understands him because she could read his mind. So that was our way of incorporating this. And we created these characters because I wanted my in my head i like i thought to myself it would be really cool for you know a neurotypical child to read this or anyone to pick this up and read this and be like wow this is a really cool story and then if you look a little deeper then you're going to see that there's a little you know wait there's a there's actually stuff i can learn here like for instance jake's headphones that he wears on his uniform because i've updated the uniform as he got older you know in the drawings in our latest comics that he wears a set of headphones. I did that because Jake needs noise canceling headphones. He wears in school to help him focus. It cancels out all the noise in the classroom and he only hears a teacher through a microphone. So it helps him concentrate in class to him. He doesn't like it because he doesn't, he said the kids laugh at him when he has them on incorporated into the suit. And now the kids like, Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) But in in our latest story, right? In our latest story, the 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 Goblin Hive Queen discovers that, like during their battle, that his headphones are disrupted by one of her laser blasts, and it sends Jake's powers going crazy. Okay, this was our way of explaining sensory processing disorder. You know, um, like when Julia, when Julia has um, difficulty taking lead when Jake is disoriented. That's a break in routine. You know, when they're fighting the new, um, when, when they're fighting their, uh, like the new villain and the villain is impulsive and all over the place, that's attention deficit hyper, you know, I'm going through ADHD and I'm instead of like telling, you know, telling the reader, this is what it is. You know, this is an entire action story, but you know, I'm teaching you about autism spectrum disorder. And that's, I think, which is why it's so cool because I get emails from parents and was like, Oh my God, that was so awesome. Like you really like, 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 like you really like, you really nailed my kid. Like this is the way how he acts. And I'm like, that makes me so happy. So that was our, our way of really, you know, going into another direction, but still staying in the course of, you know, really teaching people, educating them what autism is, that, that it's not like, like they're robotic, like, you know, um, unfeeling people, but they're kids just like, you know, 
the kids just like how we were and they have dreams just like we were. They want to play and do things like we used to. And it's so much fun to put these things together because it's like, it's like, I'm not pointing a finger saying, Hey, he's got autism. Read this. It's just like, and it's like, um, when they're like, uh, it's, it's just all in the narrative now. So it's just something that when you think about it, like, wow, I didn't notice that. Or you'll read it again. And what I wanted to do too is create that discussion. So parents, um, like siblings, brothers and sisters, like, Hey, I have, a, you know, I have a brother that acts that way. I have a sister that acts this way. Oh, now I understand why she won't look in the eyes or, you know, so even with our latest comic, we're introducing a new character and, and like, I love diversity. So Jake is an Afro Latino superhero on the autism spectrum. You know, Julia is Hispanic. And then we have um, like um, our next character that we're introducing is Asian and she can accelerate and de, you know, and decelerate time, you know, but in one panel in our draft and everything, like Julia actually says, she was like, you know, when she, when she says hi to her friend, she's like, you know, um, she goes, you know, you know, it's hard for me to look you in the eyes, but I'm listening. So, you know, don't be mad. And, you know, and she's like, that's okay. I understand. It's like, you know, and they go on in their conversation. That is something, you know, I wanted to address without saying, hey, I have autism, you know, yeah. but it's something that another person who's reading it can relate to. And I think by making the characters that relatable and that close to the ground that people can be like, I know someone like this. And that's what makes it so much fun, you know? Yeah. You you kind of mentioned it in passing, but I, I want to ask you more sh- in a more straightforward question. So what has the public feedback been like for you for this? It's been positive. Thank God. Everything has been very positive. Um, it's like I would love to see this like as like an animated production. I would love to see this um, like I would love to see this on bookshelves. I mean, and it's, it's not it's not a money or a financial thing, but because the message is so important, I believe mm. that it's something that is incredibly unique. That's, um, you know, that's needed in this world. You have a character that's that, that could stand on the same stage as like Spider-Man or Superman or whoever and stand for something different. So I, the, the feedback that I get is very positive. I've, you know, I, like Jake and I are really grateful because like he helps write the stories with me and create the characters. So our our stories come from a really good place, you know, and it's not like we're trying to create the next, <clears throat> excuse me, the next Batman or the next Superman. You know, we're creating like this character to be like a symbol of everything good in us, you know. So, you know, I, I really, uh, you know. I'm really happy that when I get the emails and stuff, I like, it makes me smile. I, sometimes I run to Jake. I'm like, read this. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, I love it. I would love to see this like turn into something, you know, like bigger than it is, you know, that that's my dream because I started it with the, the intent on making my son a superhero. That would be, you know, the best thing ever. Plus it'll also give me bragging rights. It'll give me one story when he's like, Oh, I can't do it. And I'm like, when I was your age and, you know, <laughs> yeah. So. No, that's fantastic. That that's wonderful. And and <clears throat> you know, for what it's worth, one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk with you also is because I'm a huge believer in the heroic narrative. I talk about it quite a bit 
on the show whenever I can. And it's because I, I truly believe that especially young people and especially today with this rise in anxiety and this and it's not slowing down, the heroic narrative, wherever you can get it, is something that can help. We talked about chaos before and order and, and all of that. The hero is is adept. It's one it is good at looking chaos in the eye and saying, all right, let me assess the situation and apply what is most necessary in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and Superman particularly has always been very much aware of of what's appropriate and not more than that. It's one of the interesting facets of Superman that people don't talk about a lot, but the fact that he holds back so much actually, <laughs> which is fantastic when you when you do see someone talk about Superman's going to let loose in this comic. Yeah. That's when I'm like, "Oh, I'm in. I want to see what he does." <laughs> but it's the hero and the heroic narrative and superheroes are so important today for young kids because it builds in more than even just confidence, it builds in hope that you can make a difference. And it it, it brings me back to, I mean, we're, we're both old enough to remember how th- that big Gatorade commercial, Be Like Mike, right? If I could be like Mike. And it was more than just that it was a catchy jingle. It was this idea of he gave you something to aspire to, greatness, And it wasn't that you had to be as good as him in basketball. It was you were aspiring to his greatness. And the hero always provides that. And I want to ask you here on a more general level, what do you see today in today's, let's say, the comic book industry or the movie industry, anywhere you find the superhero or the hero? How do you see the role that it plays in young people today and maybe even adults? Well, you know what? That's that's a that's a great question. Um, I'll you know like I'll refer to some of the Marvel movies, and I think like it's a great place to start because like some of the writers that that write for these Marvel movies are fantastic. I one of the things that I admire about those movies is the character the the character development, and like you know to answer your question, like we had like if you go back to like the first Iron Man movie. And by the time we get to Endgame, we have a completely different person. You know, you get to see like the real hero's journey that that Tony Stark makes. And it's very admirable for a guy who only thought about himself, right? To sacrificing himself for the, for the, you know, like for the sake of the universe. I mean, that is a, that, that, that is a wonderful hero's journey that like it goes full circle. I think like when I see that it's admirable that, Somewhat that it shows you that people can change. I think that's you know, and that's the reason why I think I resonate to those characters. I think the first the the first character that I ever paid any kind of t- like character development to, I'll go back to the original trilogy in Star Wars, going from Han Solo from you know the like you know from the original Star Wars to Return of the Jedi, from A New Hope to like the Jedi, and you see the transition that he made from being a guy that had absolutely no friends to actually having pretty much a family at the end of return of the Jedi, you know, and you see him like from like from a smuggler to uh, like a general. I mean, he had a rank. I mean, I think that even surprised him, but (laughs) it's like, you know, those are the type of stories I I gravitate to. I, I love watching. I love rooting for someone. 
that's what that that's what I think is missing. Yeah. Um, it, it's like so. There's a lot more than just like beating someone up or being like you know like broad shouldered. I mean, anybody can draw that. Anybody can create that. You know, and but to really give the character some depth that people can find some kind of identification. You know, yeah. that they can look at that and pull something out of that character and say, I identify with this character. That's everything. Yeah, I agree. You're speaking my language here perfectly. <laughs> and and one of the things that I've I've talked about uh, before is the real beauty for me, at least of that of the first three phases of the MCU ending with Endgame is that they kept it simple. The simplicity of good evil, right, wrong, with some nuance in between. Don't get me wrong. There's great stories in between. But when you think about, you mentioned Tony Stark beginning and end. I take a look at at Captain America. He didn't move a lot, but look at what the last scene of him really is. It's just a dance. It's a beautiful dance. And his great moment, and I, I have told this before on the show, but I had a student uh, when Endgame came out and he was very quiet, very quiet. But I started talking about Endgame in the class and he just lit up and he had mentioned, we were talking about finally seeing um, Captain America wield Mjolnir, right? Thor's hammer. And he just, he said, I, I was bawling. I was crying so hard. And we talked about why people were crying. And, and what we decided was that it was because that we respected the hammer saying that he was worthy. And the thing that was beautiful about it is we always knew that he was worthy. We just needed the hammer to confirm it. And in doing so, it confirmed that we were worthy in that moment to recognize that which is good. And it seems like such a simple complex, a uh, simple kind of concept, excuse me. But it, it comes back to Again, what I love about and what's important about the superhero and the comics for young people, it you have to provide them some way to think about good and evil, right and wrong, because they're going to see it in life, whether they want it to or not. We all have to deal with that. And I always felt that the superhero gave us mechanisms for placing those in, in a proper place to, to face that. Yeah, I, you know, I even more recently, like with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, that was one of the there. there's a scene where like Andrew Garfield saves like, you know, like MJ, like falling from the Statue of Liberty. And when he catches her, how he just starts to like, he just starts bawling. He starts crying. And I thought like that was so symbolic. That was, you know, because that really brought his character full circle from, and it, it said a lot too about our, the modern superhero that I wouldn't say him not saving Gwen Stacy was a mistake, you know, but the, the burden that he carried because he couldn't save her and kind of that redemption, like the universe saying to him that it's okay, you're going to be okay. You know, I think that was a moment that was, that that was monumental in superhero storytelling, you know, because that, that moment 
you know, that that moment did something for him. It kind of, it redeemed him in a way or like something in his heart. I mean, it gave him like, you know, even more of a push to move on. And it's, you know, it was a, it was a lesson. It was like, you know, sometimes you're not always going to win. Sometimes you're, you're, you're going to fail sometimes. What, and it's, you know, it's not the end, you know, like you keep going, you know, whatever happens, you keep going. And that is one of those lessons that like, okay, I admit it made me ball like a child when I saw that, you know, but um, it was, it was just a, it was a really powerful moment, you know, in just that 30 seconds of time, you know, but it looked what, what I thought was absolutely amazing. I couldn't stop talking about that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and even, I mean, and you can nuance something as simple as good versus evil because Again, I, I remember this happens with Superman quite a bit because he tries to pursue good so much. You can pursue good to the point that it blurs and becomes a kind of evil, a bad thing. And that is a um, that's a wonderfully difficult lesson for young people, especially and adults. Let's be honest. Adults need these lessons, too. I would I don't have a problem making that argument that I still need to believe in good. I still need to believe that there's good out there, that we can aspire to it and that we should aspire to it in an actionable way. Yes, I, I agree completely, you know, and that's one of the things that I try my best to teach, you know, to teach my son at the same time. I, I you know, I especially like, uh, I try to like to be that Obi-Wan Kenobi in the room when he's playing video games and like, I see the frustration and I just tell him, like, just embrace failure, man. I was like, don't, you know, don't be mad because you messed up. It just, you know, just try harder. It just concentrate. You'll get it eventually. But, you know, I tell him sometimes take a break, you know, take a break, take five minutes. Think about what you did and go back and do it again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I have to tell him that. And then I say to myself, wow, I wish somebody told me that. But like I try to use that my advice also like uh, especially that especially when I'm doing this because there's so many people doing you know something and then people are going it's it's a tough industry when you're you know uh, especially like in comic books and things like that so not everyone is gonna like your work everyone is going to have something to say but keep moving. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let me let me say this then as we kind of draw down here. I love it. I think it's wonderful. I think you're doing wonderful things. And I have no doubt that you establish yourself this kind of heroic lineage where you said what your father did for you and what you're doing for Jake. To me, I don't I, I think that that is absolutely wonderful. And I know that the people who read your work and learn so many valuable things that they can actually use in the moment here that's heroism too like you're putting that concept into action and that is not a small thing to to say and and a small thing to do it's it's truly a wonderful feat and and i hope you are proud of the work that you're doing and jake as well thank you yeah we definitely are and and so am i like um it's been very fulfilling. I couldn't think of doing anything else. And it's this is something I'll continue to keep doing for, I, I don't even want to put a time limit on it. I just, this is something yeah. that I'll always continue doing. Absolutely. So here, let me, um, 
let me ask you to tell our, our listeners a little bit about where they can find your work, where where would you like to direct them? And I'll put links in the episode notes as well, of course. Sure. Um, uh, the, um, the Jake Jet Pulse website is, um, is full of information, useful information about autism spectrum disorder. Um, so you can check out our website, which is www.jakejetpulse.com. And you can also connect with us at Jake Jet Pulse on Twitter and, uh, and, uh, Jake Jet Pulse on Instagram. Wonderful. Led, thank you so much. This has been so enjoyable for me. I loved it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. And I love being here. This is great. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Led Bradshaw. If you did, consider checking out the links in the show notes for Led's works. And make sure you hit the subscribe and or follow button as well on whichever platform you're currently using to listen to this on. Also, follow me on Instagram for additional content that I hope will help motivate us all to face the world. Until next time, try to keep one foot firmly planted on neutral ground. And have a great day. Bye.